0: Okay, we'll begin with the Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu. Start. So I thought this morning, um, last night, if you'll remember, I was talking about the method of Vedanta, how whatever is said in the beginning, the end is negated. sounds very simple, but when you apply it to the specific teachings, the whole attitude towards what is being taught and where it's leading becomes different a new vision of Vedanta can unfold. And I was thinking that yesterday we had a beautiful rendition of the uh, Nirvana Ashtakam, which is attributed by the way by most people to Shankaracharya. Whether it's his or not we don't know but it doesn't matter. But it doesn't contradict anything that he teaches. And um, I, I learned that, uh, that hymn with a different tune. I'm sure it's sung in many different ways. And I thought, because the, that, that verse that you sang is a perfect example of the uh, neti neti. So, I'm going to sing it, and I'm going to translate it, and then you'll kind of see that it's really the same thing that I've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Mano Bhudyamkara Chitani Naham Na Na ce grana netre Na ce vyomabhumi Na tejo chitānanda rupa Sivoham Sivoham chitānanda rupa Sivoham Sivoham Mano Mind, buddhi, intellect, ahamkara, the eye sense, chitta, the memory, naham, I am none of those. So first he knocks off all of the qualities of the mind right up to the ego. <laughs> na i am not the ear or the tongue or the nose or the eyes na bumi i am neither the vioma space nor bumi the earth na chya vioma bumi na te vayu I am not the fire, nor the air. Chitananda rupa. Chit, consciousness bereft of all objects. Ananda, bliss not caused by anything. Rupa, that’s my form. Chitananda Rupa, Shivoham Shiva aham shiva I am Shiva. shiva I am Shiva. Chitananda-rupa, Shiva-ham, shiva Once you negate all of those things that we identify with, including, so that, just like the Bhagavad Gita when Krishna was talking about the Kshetra, he said the buddhi, the ahamkara, the mahabutani that's Vayu and Tejas and, and Bhumi. Same exact thing. I'm not any of those. Neti, neti. What remains? Chitananda rupa, that form of pure conscious bliss. I am Shiva. I am Shiva. What a beautiful the whole Vedanta right there when he says I am Shiva I am Shiva he doesn't mean I am Shiva I am Shiva the guy who lives up in Kailash Mountain who is sitting there uh, in meditation with his eyes half closed that's not the Shiva I am the word Shiva really means Mangalam Sumangalam extremely Mangala. That's the meaning of the... Re- there's, for almost all of these Hindu gods, there's a Puranic idea about it, and then there's the real Vedantic idea. The Puranic idea of Shiva is he has a bull, and he lives up in Kailash, and he's the great yogi. But the real meaning of Shiva is mangalam, that which is auspicious. There's nothing as auspicious as your own self because in it there's no fear, no duality, no limitations, no birth, no death. That's called mangalam. That's the meaning of mangalam. Shivoham, I am that mangalam chitananda. It's like Vishnu. The Puranic Vishnu has eight arms. But Vishnu means that which pervades everything is Vishnu. That consciousness which is the very warp and woof of the whole universe. That's Vishnu. Serva Vyapi Vishnu. That's the real meaning of Vishnu. Ganesha. Not the name of an elephant god. Ganesha. Gana is the body Sanskrit's kind of funny Gana and Isha means the Lord when A, Gana and Isha come together the A and the E becomes A Gana, Ganesha Ganesha means Gana Isha that Lord who resides in this body, that's Ganesha that's the the Vedantic meaning of Ganesha you could go on with this. Krishna, not the guy with the, the blue guy with the flute. Krishna, he who is not of this universe is Krishna. He who has never come down, who has never entered into the world of duality is Krishna. The Vedantic meaning. You can go on with, with, with this. I was thinking, because it's a short class this morning, that um, rather than take the text… Does anybody familiar… yes? Sorry,
1: um, just um, because you recited it, uh, it's Nirvana Ashtakam or satakam
0: Sattakam, six verses, yeah. that's eight. Okay. So. Okay.
1: Um, Mm-hmm. Why is there um, he doesn't um, include um, the touch and he doesn't include the water one of
0: the elements so it's, meter. The meter. it's, it's yes. in the meter you get the idea though yes. no elements and no sense organs <coughs> somehow <laughs> they didn't list everyone but I'm neither of those so if I'm not that I'm not water either and if I'm not any of those sense organs then I'm not the touch and so, you know has anyone ever heard of the morning remembrance prayer yeah we do it here
2: sometimes in the house
0: ah this goes this is also attributed to Shankaracharya and uh I actually um, wrote a, I translated a book on the Morning Remembrance Prayer and um, I thought maybe I'd just say a word about that this morning. I'll just do the first verse. There are three verses in the Morning Remembrance Prayer. It goes like this: Pratasmarami Riti, Samsparat, Atmatatvam, Sachet Sukam, Paramaham Sugatim, Turiyam, Yat Swapna Jagara Shyukta Mavati Nityam, Tat Brahma Nishkalamaham, Na Chetbut This morning, I remember that effulgence in my mind, which is the truth of the self. (laughs) Which is existence, consciousness, bliss. Paramahamsa gatim, which is the goal of all the Paramahamsas. That light that's shining in your mind is what every Paramahamsa is seeking. It's always shining right in your mind. That's the goal of the Paramahamsas. Paramahamsa Gatim Turiyam It is the fourth compared to the illusory three states of waking, dream, and deep sleep. It's called the fourth. Shankara calls it Maya Samkhyam Turiyam. The illusory three, it's the fourth. When there's no three, then it's the one. In relation to the illusory three, it's called Turiyam. It's not a separate state. Satchetsukam paramahamsagatim Turiyam. Yatswapna jagara shishuptam avaiti nityam. That which eternally sees, which eternally knows Avaiti Nityam, always with no break, the witness of this whole waking state, the witness of the whole dream state, and the witness of deep sleep, that witness which knows all of these and is unaffected by any of it Swapna Jagara avaiti Nityam tat brahma nishkalam aham, that absolute reality, tat brahma, nishkalam, with no parts, tat brahma nishkalam aham, I am that, nache bhuta sangaha, and I'm not merely a collection of elements. This morning I remember that. When you wake up in the morning, this is the prayer that they recite. It's a beautiful morning prayer. There's two other verses. I won't uh, do that now. I thought today I'd mention a subject that I've been thinking about for the last couple of years, which is, it has to do with the relation of science and Advaita Vedanta. Are there any scientists in the room? I was 16 years at
1: university.
0: Studying science
1: and...
0: Business administration. (laughs) (laughs) None. I'm talking physicists. I'm talking a PhD in business administration, doesn't count. Science. (laughs) So, anyway, we all know what science is, pretty much. If you've graduated at least high school, you have some idea of biology and you know something about evolution. You may know something about the Big Bang and 13.7 billion years ago, this universe came into existence, they tell us, and um, it's been expanding and here we are and it'll continue to expand, and there'll be nothing left at the end. And cognitive neuroscience, what, what science has learned in the last 20 years about our brains and consciousness, our brains and our mental states, where is the visual cortex, where is memory stored, where is the sense of self stored? Where is the sense of other stored? Brain mapping. People who may have been studying these things could have some, uh, some, some doubts about Vedanta. So I wanted to discuss the subject about if you're into Vedanta, if you're. Think that you're a Vedanta or you would like to believe in the f- teachings of Vedanta does that mean that you have to give up the teachings of science? We have a no. Anybody else? No. That there's no conflict between science and Vedanta. Okay. Well, let me ask you this, if I go to a scientist and I tell him, Mr. Scientist, you know, in your last life, you must have done some really good things to be a scientist now, what do you think that scientist will tell me? Prove it. Prove it. (laughs) What's your proof? Oh, I got the Bhagavad Gita right here. (laughs) You going to hold up the Gita? Or well, how about you say, you know, if I don't attain liberation in this life, I'm going to have to be born again in a future life to continue my spiritual journey. What do you think the scientist is going to tell you?
3: <laughs>
0: Prove it. <laughs> What's well, the proof? My guru told me. It, it says it in the uh, Upanishads. How about this? If we're Vedantins, do we have to believe in Devaloka, Pitra Loka, Brahmaloka, all the different lokas that they talk about? If you do, what will the scientists tell you? No, I don't think so. But this is what we study uh, and hear when we study Vedanta. We may even teach it if we've been teaching Vedanta about previous lives and future lives, other lokas and uh, things like this. So the question is, can there be a Vedanta where you don't have to accept the idea of any previous births or any future births or any lokas or any mystical mumbo-jumbo. You can be totally scientific and not have to give up your Vedantic understanding. And I think the way to look at it is like this... In a dream... if you're thirsty... you have to find what? Dream water. In the dream... you find the dream water... and you drink it... it quenches your thirst. It's real. The laws of the dream obtain in the dream and they're absolutely real until when? Until the moment you wake up. Shankaracharya says, until we realize the non-dual self, all pramana, pramaya, viavahara, all empirical activity of means of knowledge like the senses, Objects of knowledge, like the harmonium, they're all real. You can't negate them unless you wake up from this dream. So that in the waking state, if a scientist says that light travels at 186,000 miles a second, If the Veda says, no, it travels at 50 miles a second, what will I believe? The Veda can't contradict science. In this state, science tells us how we got here, why it is, and it's all true within the dream of the waking state. So within the waking state, we can accept science 100%. The scientist is real, I'm real, the laws of science are real, but as soon as that waking state goes and the dream state appears, then the laws of the dream, in the dream, that's the only state I can chop off my head, put it on my lap and have a conversation. (laughs) That's the laws of the dream. It seems absolutely real until I wake up, oh... It's just a dream. So my attitude is this. There's no conflict between science and Vedanta. In the waking state, this is all real. You did have a mother and father. They did get together and their genes produced you and here you are. And it's real that you're getting old and that you're going to get sick. And when you get sick, the scientists can tell you why you're getting sick. And they may even be able to give you some medicine to help you with it. But eventually, you'll die, just like everyone else in the waking state. But it has to be seen that this waking state, from your point of view, from the point of view of your experience, is an object to you. It can't be you and it can't be in you because it appears and disappears to you. That's the subjective experience of it. That's what Vedanta is based on, your own experience. When you examine it from the point of view of your experience, that's called sakshi-drishti, from the point of view of you as the witness, you as the subject, then you can falsify the whole thing. But as long as we're in the waking state, science is absolutely valid. The laws of science are valid. You don't have to reject them. You don't have to believe in a rebirth, previous births, lokas, any mystical mumbo-jumbo, no woo-woo, no trances or special, psychic, you know, whatever that a yogi can make himself into a a little atom or a yogi can have many bodies. Do you have to believe that to be a Vedanta? Absolutely not. There's no conflict between science and Vedanta until you realize chitananda rupa shivoham shivoham you do have a body, mind and senses and it's all real think about it in a dream there's two people in a dream one guy says you know my last life I was really a bad guy and now I'm having a tough time in this life the other guy goes ah you're an idiot I don't believe in rebirth I was born from my parents I'm here and I'm going to die and they're having an argument about is there only one birth the guy says I was born and I'm going to die the other guy says I've been born many times and I'm going to be born many more times and then they wake up who was right? The guy who thought I was born only once, or the person who thinks I was born many, many times. Neither of them, nobody was born, nobody died, it was just a dream. But in the dream, I'm going to go with the guy who says, I was just born once and I'm going to die. I have no proof of that. That's a religious superstition this is something you picked up along the way i i don't need to believe that there's no proof for it i want proof no proof i don't accept it but the idea that the whole dream whatever happens in that dream whatever laws of the dream were obtaining in the dream that i took to be absolutely real at the time as soon as i wake up The whole thing is falsified. Nobody was born once and nobody had many births. Here too, there can be people who say, I believe that there were many births. It's just a cultural thing that in the ancient times this was a way of explaining things that kind of made sense to explain the disparity amongst people now. But now we have better explanations and you don't have to accept any of that. The beauty of that perspective is that it frees you up from being committed to any beliefs that you could have doubts about. Anybody who says there's rebirth, you ask them how they know that. And the only way they can say is that my guru told me or there's some scripture that mentions it. There's no proof for it. But what's the proof that the waking and dream appears and disappears to me? That's everybody's common universal experience. It's on the basis of that that Vedanta is able to negate the waking in the dream, and to say there's only one reality you, Chittananda Rupa Shivoham Shivoham. In the waking state, the scientist is real, the laws of science are real, ghosts and goblins are unreal. Other lokas are unreal. This is the reality. But as soon as the waking goes, a dream appears. There's a new reality. From the point of view of your own experience, they falsify each other. But as long as you're in the waking, this is real. I'm really here. I really feel like I was born, I'm getting old, I'm getting sick, and I'm going to die. And from the waking point of view, you will get old, you will get sick, and you will die. Shankara came in the 8th century, he got old, well, he didn't get too old, but he died. Like everybody else, like every guru, like Swami Sivananda, like nobody makes it out of here alive. This body was born, this body is going to die. And if you're this body, you will die. Finished. Over. Destruction. We don't want it. So we make up stories about how we'll continue after our death or that how we were here before our death. It's just a hope. It's it's just a, a dogma of religion. We have no proof for it. So I think that from the waking point of view... We go 100% with science. You'll feel much better about it. You won't have to have any beliefs that other people can make fun of you because you're believing something in which there's absolutely no evidence for.
3: Question. Okay. Two questions. 100% that, from the waking, you believe in science 100%. Science 100% will say that dream is a state of waking. That's one question. second question is there's no proof that dispels, there's no proof that reincarnation is not what actually happens. It's not, it's not a, a fact. It's true, there's no proof that it is, but there's also no proof that it isn't. So both are beliefs.
0: Suppose I told you I believe this spaghetti monster that's circling Venus.
3: That's what I believe. Irrational. What? Um, there's no rational, logical there's basis. There's no But there's log- logical, rational question about reincarnation. You see, everything comes back. You know, I'm breathing, I'm breathing an atom of Julius Caesar's breath, last breath. What do you think?
0: Let's see. Madam.
3: Yes, but the question would go with
1: Chandras.
0: You go with Chandras. No, uh, the,
1: the question ah. is, well, if none of this is real, then why do I now have to believe that science is real? Why can't I believe that whatever I want to think is real? Because none of it is real.
0: Why can't you believe whatever you want is real? Yeah, so
1: in this, in this, in this state that I'm in, where mm. I'm thinking that I'm a body, mm. which isn't real, then why do I still now have to believe that something is real just so that someone else can't laugh at me for thinking it? That would be
2: useless because it's not real to begin with.
0: Okay. Anybody else like to hear their opinion? Yeah? Well,
1: I have a personal or subjective proof. My mother died. And before she died, she, she already passed away, and she told me afterwards that she was on the other side. So for me, subjective, it's proof that there is another side. And she met her her dad and her, her sister there. So she told me, and I trust her.
0: Okay. Everybody happy with that? That's, what are you thinking?
2: Anything. I mean, science has married spirituality already, so I'm fine with quantum physics and quantum philosophy and everything. And I know this is not real. I mean, I know it here. I don't know it anywhere else. But still, I believe it.
0: So, did you just say you do accept science... Here, here, here. here. In the
2: other realm, Uh in the spiritual realm, it's totally different. It's not like here. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. But science goes, some scientists go with that already. Which I like,
1: I enjoy.
0: Okay. Sir.
1: I worked uh, for 16 years in this uh, science community, business administration okay. science, not a real science. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I learned uh, you have to question everything, also Yes,
3: science. yes. Not everything is yes.
1: right if there is a uh, the button science on it. Ah. So uh, you have to be always critical. And, Absolutely. And uh, that's uh, one side and the other side. Uh, I, I teach teachers training groups yeah. and, and I have to present there also the concept of reincarnation and uh, reverse karma, law of karma. And, and I used to present it as a, as a concept. Yeah? And, uh, but uh, I tell them you don't have to believe it. Yeah? You can take it if, you, if it's uh, okay for you. But there are some, some indications, like he said. Yeah. There are many books, many videos. If you go on uh, to uh, YouTube and look, there are many videos of people who said, yeah, I, I had an operation or something like that, and then <coughs> suddenly I was mm-hmm. away and then I came back. And, and because of the uh, advanced, uh, advanced medicine, you can bring them back and forth and uh, they can take it, but I, yeah, I can understand you. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Nobody wants to be laughed at here. So. Okay. But you can present it in a way uh, to other people. You can accept, accept it. I wouldn't fight for this concept. That's an interesting in general, perspective. So I, 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 mm. I, uh, I'm on your side, but mm. also critical. Don't believe in everything. Science has its limits too.
0: Absolutely. Not everything. <laughs> That's the beauty of science.
3: Let's take a vote. <laughs> Before we take a vote, let, let me
0: just clarify what Vedamorti had just said. He is someone who is teaching Vedanta for a long time. He says, this this theory of reincarnation, you could take it and leave it, obviously is not fundamental to the core teachings of Vedanta. So, is everybody... Or do you think that you must accept it to be a Vedanta?
3: You know, there's a concept in Vedanta, um, and, and I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it right. But it's um, you can't cut the witch in half. Do you know that? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Either, either you have you have the whole witch, or you, you have the you can't take the wicked out of the witch. Huh. Um, same thing here. If you accept Vedanta. There's a thought that you have to accept, or if you accept the Veda, if you accept the Dante, you have to accept the whole Veda.
0: And Vedamurti is not sympathetic to that I, idea. I'm not
3: particularly sympathetic either, but, y- you know, that's the orthodox view.
0: Yeah. So, orthodox view means people who were talking in the 8th century that absolutely knew nothing about science. They had no idea about astrophysics. They had no idea. 1859, until Darwin wrote The Origin of the Species, nobody knew how we got here. Not a clue. So you had to make up a story. Now we know. Are you going to deny the theory that every single piece of evidence supports evolution? You want to go against that?
3: Good
0: point. Yes, good Yes. Point. yes. Okay. For those who want to go against it, you're free. I'm not saying that anybody should... It's just something that I'm saying is that you don't have to believe in any of that. You can be totally scientific, believe that there's only one birth and one death from the waking point of view. But from the point of view of my own experience, The waking is as unreal as a dream and I'm the unchanging reality to which they both appear. From that point of view they're both unreal. But in the waking the waking water is real. This body is real. And if science tells me it comes about through random genetic mutations and my father finding my mother attractive enough to go to bed with her, and that's how I got here, that's fine with me. It doesn't contradict Vedanta at all. From the empirical point of view, all of this is absolutely real. And science can be real too. From the point of view of absolute truth, these are the two viewpoints. The empirical point of view where there are gurus and teachers and scriptures, they're all real. But the ideas about previous births and future births and different lokas and going and coming, it's because they had no other explanations for it. So they told that story. That can't be ultimately true either. When you wake up, you see there's no rebirth. The whole thing was an imagination. So why not think this birth was an imagination and leave it at that? Then there's no conflict. You can study science, understand how this world works, what the laws of this is. Science is beautiful. There's a beauty to science because it's not dogmatic. Whatever the evidence of the waking state presents, we make theories about it. As soon as some new evidence comes, Einstein replaced Newton. Quantum mechanics replaced Einstein. There may be a time when there'll be some other thing that will because new evidence could come. But that's all within the waking state. It's all relative. It's all within the realm of ignorance. Because the truth is there's only one unchanging reality that's not in time space, that Chittananda Rupa. That's Vedanta. If you can intuit that truth in your own experience, Vedanta is a very subjective science. It's the science of your own experience. We've all made a mistake about our experience. We've taken the subject to be the object. If you examine your experience, you'll see that the subject is not the ego. It's not even in the waking state. It's not even in time. They're all objects to you. That's the experience. Nobody can deny that. Nobody can cancel that. No scientist can refute that. But if you start talking about things that that are not in your experience, that you would like to be the case, oh, when this body goes, I'll continue. As a jiva traveling to different or taking... All of this, you don't need to believe it. This is just something for everybody to think about. I'm not going to be dogmatic about it, but my opinion is you can go 100% with science and be an Advaita Vedantin with no conflict. There's no conflict. Shankara says, until we wake up, all pramana, prameya, vya the means of knowledge, whatever they establish, if science can see that the universe is expanding, it's expanding. It's all valid. In the old days, they used to think that in times of Shankara, if you got sick, a demon may have possessed you. Now we know about the germ theory of disease. They didn't know the cause of disease. They thought it was your bad karma or some possession. We don't believe that now, I don't think. (laughs) Right? Germs, viruses, how do you get AIDS? Because you were a bad person in your last life? Or you slept with the wrong person with no protection? They had no explanation. So they said something. But Vedanta is not based on our theory of how you get sick. There are no germs. There's nobody getting sick from the point of view of your true self. But from the point of view of Vyavahara, I say all of this, we have to accept it just as it appears. Were you going to say something, sir?
2: Um, well, I had the idea um, to ask the scientist about um, if he thinks or uh, that I exist. Do I exist? The scientist, I think, will say yes, you do exist. And I will ask, so am I separate from existence itself? And I think he will probably say, no, you are not separated from existence itself. And I could ask, um, is a person 500 years ago uh, separated from existence itself, or? 500 years in the future, separated from existence itself, and he would probably say, no, it's not. And that, that would be my point to say, it doesn't really matter if uh, I am reborn or not reborn because I'm one with the existence itself, and you can, um, can define that as existence is uh, the multiplicity or plurality it uh, seems to be. Um, you can say, I am reborn then and then, but you can withdraw this um, altogether and say I'm just existing. It was uh, the, the approach
0: in my mind. Hmm. Everybody heard that? That um, even the scientist says that uh, I exist and 500 years ago, whatever I exist of matter. That's what I exist of, according to the scientist. I'm nothing but matter. Scientists are materialists. They're not supernaturalists. Everything is nature. There's nothing beyond nature. To be committed to science means nothing supernatural. That's. So, when he says, yeah, you existed, you existed at the atoms that make you up right now, and when this body goes, you'll continue to exist as the earth, food for the worms. You'll exist as the worms because they'll eat you up and they'll continue. So that type of existence, no problem because matter and energy are indestructible and eternal for science. So if you're just matter, then of course you've always existed, you exist now, but only existing in the terms of um, um, the, the five bhutas, the, uh, the elements, you're made up of elements. There's no soul in you, there's no homunculus, no ghost in the machine that's going to continue after that body goes. If you want to take existence, meaning that I'll always exist because I'll always be made, I'm atoms and those atoms will continue even when this body ceases, then that's a type of immortality that has nothing to do with the idea that me, the person, will continue.
2: Do you have a Science and Non-Duality, Sand conference? Who knows? Sand. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Mm. So
0: that's good? Science sand? and Non-Duality, yeah. They have this conference. Or is
1: it... Oh, but uh, you know that uh, science can only explain 5% of the whole universe. Mm. They, they call the rest dark energy and dark matter. So they know there is something, but they can't explain it with uh, uh, the even quantum mechanics. And so, on. Mm. so you know about this? Yeah. 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 Okay, so... That's uh, one point that uh, even science doesn't know hasn't everything. Doesn't a- explain everything. From explained my point of view, it's uh, limited. Also, uh scientific, scientists uh, should be humble. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
0: That's the beauty of science. Sometimes I was
1: in this area for a long time, and sometimes people. I know everything, and... uh,
0: There may be scientists like that, but people who know (laughs) the scientific method know that everything is only up to now, dependent on the best available evidence. But if some new evidence should come, then the evidence is coercive. Bertrand Russell, one of the greatest Western philosophers of all times, People familiar with Bertrand Russell? If you studied Western philosophy, he's one of the gems. He has a principle called the principle of veracity. And it goes like this. We cannot believe what we would like the case to be. We have to believe what the evidence warrants. So for any belief, any belief, if the evidence is for it, we have to believe it because the evidence is coercive. If the evidence is against it, we have to disbelieve it. If there's evidence for it, but equal evidence against it, we have to suspend judgment. If there's no evidence, we suspend judgment. That's called the principle of veracity. What's your evidence? for previous births. We heard one possible evidence. Other people bring up near-death experiences. They think they died and on the operating table they went and saw the other world, came back, said there is something after death.
1: Different abilities of the people um some genius start, uh, people start the, uh, the same but there is maybe one musical genius and the other one is, uh, knows nothing about uh, music and so uh, How maybe do they that? acquired yeah. these uh, qualities in previous, previous life. lives <coughs> may explain
0: maybe explain it may. but there might be maybe enough a
1: little bit of evidence but not really proof
0: but there be, may be another way of explaining that capacity that doesn't require the belief in something that is... woo <laughs> What I want to do is, I want to make Vedanta available to modern man, that modern people are scientific, and that science and Vedanta can live very happily together. You can study science and learn how this world works and be very happy with it and still appreciate what Vedanta has to tell us. Those rishis who composed the Upanishads 800 BC, what did they know about science? They sat on a rock and they closed their eyes. Did they know about photosynthesis? Will you ever know about how the brain works by closing your eyes? practicing pranayama, what will you learn? Nothing. You'll learn nothing about how the world works by meditating. Those rishis didn't do that. What they did was they examined their own experience, that subjective experience that they themselves were having, and they came up with the conclusion that on the basis of my own experience I can realize that my nature never changes I am the ever-present awareness everybody can validate the truth of that in their own experience as soon as the mind is out now you can be a scientist because when the mind is on the world how does that work? how does that how does why are trees green? Why does the sun how does it give off all of those things don't go to the Upanishads for the answer for that. They won't tell you. They didn't know. They couldn't know. Science didn't even begin until the enlightenment. But there's no conflict. I feel perfectly comfortable with in the waking state I accept science fully. I don't have to believe in any type of other worlds, other lokas, previous births. I take it like science tells me. But from the point of view of absolute truth, this waking state can't be real. It's changing, it comes and goes. How do I know that? Because there's an unchanging reality. This is my experience. And nothing can contradict that experience. The scientist can't contradict it. He's stuck in the waking state. The waking scientist is telling me about the laws of the waking world. As soon as I'm in the dream state, there's a dream scientist. He's telling me, you can fly on a carpet. (laughs) Flying carpets are real. And whatever, the laws of the dream hold true in the dream. And there could be a scientist who can explain how those laws work. And they're all true in the dream. But as soon as I wake up, that scientist, the laws, the guy who believed in reincarnation, the guy who said, no, there's no reincarnation, I believe in science. From the point of view of myself, the whole thing was a dream. From the point of view of myself, this whole waking is a dream. But in the waking, we go with the scientists. Why not? It doesn't contradict Vedanta.
3: Contradicts the idea that dream is a separate state, a separate reality. Everybody
0: thinks that the waking is the real state and that dreams are false. Scientists say that, right? And we all believe that. The waking is real, and my waking mind creates, when I go to sleep, an imaginary dream world. So the dream is unreal, and the waking is real. Yes? That's how we take it. That's why we call this waking real, dream unreal. And that's what science understands too. Common sense takes it like that, science takes it like that. And we should take it like that. From the waking point of view, dream is unreal and deep sleep is what? I'm unconscious. Who thinks they're conscious in deep sleep? I wasn't aware of anything. As far as I know,
1: I'm conscious but there's nothing to be conscious of
0: the correct answer. But we all believe. I'm conscious when I'm awake. I'm conscious even when I'm dreaming. But in deep sleep, I become unconscious. Why? I'm not aware of anything. I'm unconscious. And then when I wake up, I'm conscious. So consciousness is changing. Every Buddhist teaches this. Consciousness is constantly changing. There's nothing that's not impermanent. But the Vedantic point of view is that if you examine your experience you'll see that when you say I wasn't aware of anything you haven't denied your consciousness. You've denied the thing. How do you know you weren't aware of anything? It's because it's my experience. It's in the light of that consciousness that I say I wasn't aware of anything. I'm now aware of something. I'm not aware of anything. That consciousness didn't change. It's the thing that was changing, not the consciousness. If you examine it properly from your own point of view, then you'll see that the consciousness is present in all the states. You can do it right here in the waking state. Because, in fact, (coughs) we really can't remember our dreams, uh, our deep sleep. Why can't we remember our deep sleep? Because you weren't in deep sleep. How could you remember it? You have to have had the experience of something to now recollect it. But you weren't there to experience deep sleep. Ira wasn't there to experience deep sleep. How does he now remember it? So in fact, remembering deep sleep is just an imagination in the waking state. In fact, remembering my dream is just an imagination in the waking state. You can't remember the dream because the dream is not an event in the waking time series that happened in the past that you now remember. If you really look at it Sukshma Ikshita: If you look at it very subtly, you'll see a fact that waking time and waking state of uh, waking space is stuck in the waking state. Time and space is in the waking state. When the dream appears, there's dream time and dream space that's stuck in the dream space. But there's no time that's outside of the waking and the dream where you can say, waking came first, then dream, then sleep, as though the states were in time and space. Time and space is in the state. The states are not in time and space. So dream was not an event that happened in the past that you now remember. It's like a guy in a dream that says to his friend, Hey, last night, boy, I remember I had this crazy dream. You wouldn't believe it. And you describe the dream (laughs) to him fully. When you wake up, you realize that not only what I thought was waking was a dream, but my so-called memory of the dream that I had last night was also just a dream. So the way to really examine the three states is not by thinking about sleep and dream. But right here in the waking state we can examine the three states. This is in Gaudapada's Karikas, by the way. Waking is...
3: I'm
0: going to have to finish this. You'll sit five more minutes. Waking is when you're aware of an object. When you're aware of something outside, you can take that as waking. Suppose my thumb, okay. Everybody see the thumb? That's waking. Right now, I'm awake, I'm aware of the thumb. Now close your eyes and see the thumb in your mind's eye. The impression that you had of the thumb Now see it in your mind's eye. Just a mental impression of what you picked up from the external world. Right now, that thumb that you see right there, that's dream. There's no difference. It's the mind. Just like the mind creates the dream, the mind now has the impression of the thumb. So seeing that thumb is the same as dream right here, right now. And here's the hard part. You're aware of the thumb inside? Take that thumb away. You're not aware of the outside? You're not aware of the inside. Take it away. That's deep sleep, right now. Do you become unconscious? I'm aware when I'm aware of something, and I'm aware when I'm not aware of anything. That's the way to do the analysis. You really can't remember your sleep or your dream. It's just an imagination. But right here, right now, you can see the truth. I only have two experiences. I'm aware of something outside. I'm aware of something inside. I'm either aware of something or I'm not aware of anything. There's no third experience. I'm aware when I'm aware of something, and I'm aware when I'm not aware of anything. I am the unchanging eternal awareness. That is my nature. I can't lose it. It's in the class. We'll do the parnamida. Oh. of 2.30...